The Sniff Perfume Podcast is back today for another exciting episode, and we're taking you deep into the world of perfumery. Today we're going to explore the final frontier of scent with our guest, who is not only a passionate science communicator, but also a space scientist and a renowned indie perfumer. So, without further ado, please join me in welcoming Marina Barsanilla to the podcast today. Hi there, Marina. Hi, Nicola. So, I'm so intrigued by uh, the space side of your career. Where did your interest in space begin? I have no idea. <laughs> That's the honest truth. Um, I think it's just something that happened progressively. I mean, when I was when I was a kid, I was fascinated by Greek mythology, and I knew all the stars by the myths, basically, and the stories attached to them. My mum used to point them out to us, but I didn't have a, you know an interest in space as such. It was just the story and the mythology, and I've always, you know, as an adult, I've always found the stars fascinating. And, and for a while I was into astrology. I am not now. But, you know, there's always been something that I have looked at the stars for a reason or another. And then in my 30s, when I started to get interested in science in general, because up until that point, I was a completely science phobic person i was really scared of science but i was really interested in the environment in ecology and the way that we can help the world a little bit so i got interested in environmental sciences and i thought you know what i'm going to study more about this stuff just to just to get myself up to speed with things and i decided to go down the route of the open university to begin with but because i had no interest in science I took a very comprehensive scientific course about, you know, just getting all the basics. So I did maths and physics, I did chemistry. There was also uh, cosmology and astronomy. And that's where I felt I really, really like this stuff. I want to know more. So when it came to deciding what I was going to do for my, for my actual degree, I changed my mind and I spoke to my tutor and I said, I really want to do this, but I don't know if I've got the, the mathematical ability, the physics, and he said, you've done absolutely fine. You just go for it and do it. So I did. And that was my early 30s, but then I got sick, so I stopped. Anyway, long story short, that's what got my curiosity going. And I got really started into, you know, finding out more about astronomy, planetary science. And then when, when I got better, I decided I wanted to continue my studies. So that's when I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this full time. I'm going to go to classes. I want to meet these people. I want to talk to the people who are doing the research. And it was while I was doing my full time degree that I then fell in love with um, you know, research as such, which is why I'm now doing my, my PhD. Yeah, brilliant. And how does fragrance fit into that? And where did your love of fragrance come from? So the fragrance is completely separate. So the fragrance has always been in my life in one way or another, but not necessarily as fragrance, just as a, an obsession with, with smell. Um, I, I think a lot of us have that kind of weird obsession since childhood, but I would smell everything and I would like make smells at home with whatever I had at hand. I remember loving my mom's perfumes and starting to collect my own fragrances when I was a teenager. Not famous fragrances, just whatever was at the, at the chemist or the pharmacy, whatever was available to teenagers at the time. But I became really fascinated by how fragrance made me feel, by how I like to do different things at different times. And ended up studying aromatherapy, 
just because it was there without even knowing much about it. And it was when I was studying aromatherapy that I realized that everything I did had nothing to do with therapy and everything to do with the smell. And that was when I was 20. That's when I started actually creating perfumes, started just doing it as a, a personal hobby. And one thing led to another. And here I am um, mm. 26 years later. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, in Aromaton, you have managed to kind of combine yes. your two loves, haven't you? Yeah. So that was that happened in 2015 when I started my degree in astronomy and planetary science. I already had my, my brands going. So I had my own perfume studio. And just as I was studying astrochemistry and, and the different molecules that we find in space, if I just, I think in my head, I can't help thinking about the smell of everything that I think about. So it was just a natural thing for me to wonder what these things would smell like. And then occasionally something would come up and go, oh, I've got that in my perfume studio. I know how that smells. And that's when I thought, I wonder if I put this two together, if I could make the smell of that. And I wonder what it would smell like if I was on Mars. And it was just pure curiosity that led me to just experiment for myself and then have a good laugh with my friends and their kids. And from there, I thought this has got some potential as a kind of bridge to, to, to get people who know nothing about science or have no interest in science to think about it in a different way that's fun, that's engaging. And at the same time, to bring science out of the kind of academic classroom environment bring fragrance out of its usual I wear perfume because I want to smell nice thing and just do something a little bit different and that's how Aromatum was born in 2017. Yeah yeah I think one of the, the fascinating things that recurs quite a lot through um, speaking to people like yourself is this sense of curiosity um, mm. it seems to pervade the the well clearly it pervades the science community it it seems to really weave its way through the fragrance community as well um, and I, I wondered, how does your scientific background and practice influence how you approach perfumery? Are the two complementary? Uh, no, so I don't actually mix one with the other at all, unless I'm trying to work on, on smells rather than fragrance that are going to be used for educational purposes. That's when I, when I mix the two. That's when I start thinking about the chemistry of things and that's where it becomes a bit more scientific uh, but in a, on a regular basis they have nothing to do with each other. Do you think um, you deploy different kind of parts of your brain for each then? Good question, good question. I've never thought about it. <laughs> I think I do mm. because when, when I'm creating perfume I don't so much think, I just do. So I, I let, I mean, I, I know a lot of chemistry, but I don't compose by chemistry. I compose by what my nose tells me and what my 26 years of playing with different ingredients tell me I should do. So I think the perfume blending is much more intuitive. It's certainly a lot more artistic and creative and imaginative than the science part of it. And even with aromatum, it's also very creative because I have to think about smells that are either so rank that you know it would it, you you would not want to smell them. So obviously that's not something you want to do if you want to teach with it. So I have to think about that, but also about creating 
fragrances or smells that make people ask questions that make them wonder about things so they don't just go oh this smells weird this smells nice i want them to say why do i smell that metal or why is that tickling my nose because that's my way into the science bit where i can tell them because this molecule that we find in this place that we discovered with this mission that's how i get talking about it yeah fabulous and so that leads me on perfectly to a question which i know a lot of our listeners will be wondering which is what do we know about the scent of space and how do we know what it smells like? Okay, so there are several answers to this question. Um, so I'm going to, so, well, there are two answers really. One is the scientific bit where we have um, studied and we're continuously studying the chemical composition of various parts of the galaxy. So in the galaxy, you've got what we call gas clouds and dust clouds that are just molecules condensed into a cloud that will eventually become a solar system, become a star and planets. So in there we have all the chemistry that we need to create a whole solar system. So with telescopes and various different wavelengths. So a wavelength is, is just a, a type of light. So we, we see invisible light, but then there are other types of light that we cannot see, like infrared. But with a telescope and with certain instruments, we can use infrared light to see things that our eyes could never see. So with this type of telescopes, we have been able to see, in inverted commas, the different molecules, chemical elements that are literally floating in space. We have detected them and we recognize them because we've got them on Earth. So that's one way that we know. When it comes to uh, the planets and the satellites of our solar system, same way, we've got the telescopes, we've got the different uh, space probes that, that tell us um, what's in space, but we also have uh, missions that have landed on different planets. So when it comes to planets and the satellites of our solar system, it's, it's different. We've got the telescopes that also tell us from Earth or from space what they're seeing, but we do have missions that have landed on certain planetary bodies. So we have been to the surface of the moon. We have been, we are on Mars with, with various robots. Um, so when we land on a planet, we are actually able to sample what the atmosphere is like as we land, as we've done on Mars or the moon. And we are able to collect samples from the soil, from the rocks and analyze those samples. So we understand the chemistry of various planetary bodies. We also have meteorites. So meteorites also tell us what's out there. So by analyzing meteorites and finding what's inside them, we can find out what has come from space. So everything that we have discovered in space, it's also on Earth because we are made of that stuff that's out there. So we can recognize it. It's not like we've discovered something so alien that we go, oh my goodness, what is this? So we have everything on Earth. We know what everything smells like on Earth. Um, and we can create those smells that would mimic an environment on, on, on space or on Mars. Now, if you go out there, you're not going to be able to smell, obviously. You can't breathe. But the idea is to imagine what it would be like to be in a place that has this particular chemistry and how that would smell. And it's also important to say, when it comes to places like Mars, for example, it's not just one smell. There's lots of different smells. So depending on what part of Mars you are, 
you're going to have different chemistry, but also depending on the timeline, it's going to be very different. So I have actually created uh, museum activities that have different smells to walk you through the history of Mars as its geology changed, because it would be different depending on whether there was water or not, whether volcanoes were erupting or not. So that's how we know. We know by identifying the molecules out there and then matching them to what we have on Earth. Yeah, that is ridiculously cool. <laughs> I know, it is super cool. But yeah, there's also, I mean, famously, um, astronauts have always spoken about the smell of space as well, but that's very that's very different. So the the Apollo astronauts that landed on the moon, they have all uh, they spoke about the the smell of moon dust that they perceived after being out on the moon, going back inside the spacecraft, taking off their helmet, and that smell of spent gunpowder as they described it. But that's not actually based on chemistry of the actual soil or or the the moon dust. And we think that's more to do with the various chemical reactions that are happening in space, uh, interacting with with the the moon dust. And then how when you go inside um, a pressurized environment with oxygen, other chemical reactions happen and you can smell those things. Mm. And it's the same for the the ISS, the International Space Station astronauts that go out on moonwalks, come back in. And then they often um, say that space smells either like like metal like metal fumes, like welding fumes, or like burnt meat or charcoal. Mm. So there's all this kind of like very caustic, burning, weird smells that they mm. describe. Yeah, it sounds a bit like um, a, a kind of scenario that's ripe for, um, you know, one of these kind of space horror films does that, you know, kind of... Yes, burnt it does. And... <laughs> I know. I think that was missing from um, Space Odyssey. <laughs> yeah. some, some smells in there as well. Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, I wonder if you had the chance to go into space, would you? No. Everybody asks me this question. I think I'm so aware of how dangerous it is, mm. um, especially I study radiation on Mars. So I'm just very aware of how lethal it is out there. And I also know of the perils of taking off and landing. Just, just no, it's just too scary for me. I wouldn't do it unless yeah. I was almost at the edge of dying. And it's like, well, you can go to space now before you died. And I was like, OK, I'll go now. But no. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. I think I'm I'm with you on that one, I think, yeah. Um, so you've got two lines, the Marina Barcinella line, which is all naturals, and Aroma Tom, which is mixed media. How do the two brands differ in terms of how you approach them um, and how satisfied you are with the final results? Um, okay, so when it comes to the natural perfumes, that's my first love. I have always loved uh, the smell of natural ingredients and natural perfumes. I know they're not for everybody, but I really, really like them. It's just my taste. So what happens is when it comes to my natural perfumes, I don't create perfumes for the sake of it. I have to have a reason to create one. And that's normally my sort of memories. I've always, this is the thing I started doing when I was very little with smell. I would put smells to things and, and, and kind of keep them as smell memories. So my natural perfumes are all actually personal memories. They all have story. There's a story on the website, which is, is more of the kind of idea I tried to create, but there's a personal story behind it, which I don't always tell. The most famous one, I think, is Patchouli Clouds, which I created to remember my mum. And 
for some reason, when I think about a, a personal memory, a moment in my life that was very special or a person that I miss, I am immediately drawn to natural ingredients and to compose with them. And I look for a wholesomeness, a certain feel that you can only get with only natural ingredients. And in that case, I am, I'm only satisfied when my memory matches what I'm trying to create. So it's not about appealing to the public. I'm sorry. It's not about people wanting to buy it and loving it. They are there for me. And then I share them. And if people love them, I, I, that's great. But that's why I don't take offense when people don't like my work or say something negative about it, because it's, it's not about them or what they think. It's about my memory and what it means to me. Mm. So that's the natural perfumes. Aromatum is completely different. Aromatum, um, I have something very specific in mind of how I think it should smell. And so I look for that. And I will work with whatever ingredients I need and that are safe to create that smell. And what I mean, for example, when I say that are safe, is if I'm looking for the smell of cyanide and bitter almonds, I'm not going to use cyanide. I will use benzaldehyde or bitter almond oil. But with those ones, I don't have to like them. And in fact, um, an anecdote that you may want to share is that in the UK particularly, Moonwalk is the, is, is the favourite. Everybody loves Moonwalk. And I don't like it. I created it to smell in a specific way because I had this smell in my head. It was going to be, it was always going to be an orris fragrance because it had to have the soft powderiness, the silveriness of the moon. But I don't necessarily have to like it. So I it's finished when I have achieved what my brain tells me I was looking for. And that it smells like I imagine it should smell. And again, with aromatum, it's not about creating a commercial fragrance, even if they do, if they have become successful. It's not about appealing to everybody. It's about providing an artistic version of what the smell of a planet or a moon would be, something that you can wear, but that is still based on something that's related to, to some form of science or some form of reality. They are no imagination they are not dreams they are not astrological they are no correspondences they are based on on science that i've tried to make smell nice mm. because yeah. the real ones are not very nice <laughs> yeah that's fascinating really fascinating um when you're talking about that end point that you're trying to reach i wonder is it harder or easier to reach that end point in the naturals or in the mixed media I think it's easier to find in the naturals because I, I, I feel so intimately connected to the natural ingredients. And because they're often tied to very personal emotions, I find it easier to say that this is what I'm looking for and stop there. With, when I use mixed media, this is both the curse and the blessing of synthetics. There is so much that you can do. There are so many possibilities. So I find it harder because it's much harder to narrow the possibilities. With naturals, I go, I can't do this. So I'm just going to stick with what I can do, which is this. But with, uh, with the synthetics, there are so many different things that I can play with. And I find it much harder to go, okay, I'm going to stick with this and just forget about the rest. It's really hard, actually. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And you know, over over the last few years, you've won a clutch of awards for your scents. Um, 
how does it feel to be recognised in that way? And does it change how you do what you do? No, it doesn't change anything in terms of what I do or or why I do it or how I do it. So my my philosophy, my way of working, my my ideas haven't changed at all. If anything, um Obviously, it feels really good, and I'm very, very grateful. So I should say that I am extremely grateful for all the awards that I've won. I, I never even imagined I was going to become a perfumer. Never mind being recognised in such a way. But I also feel that the awards are often given a lot of importance when they're, they're a nice recognition. But there are so many other people creating fantastic fragrances that are never recognised. So I don't think that my perfumes are better than somebody else's because I won the award and they didn't. Um, I, I deeply admire some of the finalists that I've been, I've been alongside of and, and they, they deserved it just as much as I did. It's just that I, I got it for whatever reason. But there are so many people who you never hear about because they've never received an award. And in fact, I got my first big award that I had got a few other little ones but my first big one was in 2016 and until then hardly anybody uh, knew about me my fragrances you know the fragrance had been there already but, but nobody knew I existed so it feels really good it's nice to be recognized but it doesn't change anything and I think it makes me even more adamant to to work harder because it's not about the awards, it's about the work you produce and it's about giving visibility to, to other people as well, which is why I like to, to talk about other people when, when I talk about perfume and say that, you know, I've been a finalist with, with Sarah McCartney from 4,160 Tuesdays, with Liz Moore from Papillon and other people. But those particular two perfumers, I think they deserve it just as much as me or more sometimes. Um, so there you go. Yeah, it's all about sharing I the I love. Don't think I don't think it's a very fair world, to be honest mm. with you. Yeah, I think that, yeah, there's a, a, certainly an awful lot about perfumery, which I think yeah. isn't very fair. And, yeah, and that's right. why I don't think they should go up to anybody's head. I mean, it mm. is great, but they don't define your work, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talking about Aromatom, which I, I'm particularly interested in, I kind of gravitate towards that. Um, so obviously you've got four fragrances in that line. Ground Control, which is um, about returning to Earth after a time in space. Moonwalk, which is obviously about the moon. Uh, we Are the Martians, which look at Mars. And Out of This World, which is about space more generally. Why those particular elements? Why did you pick those particular elements? And did they kind of lend themselves to be interpreted into perfumery? You know, what what about those little things did you think write those? Okay, so... In the case of Out of This World, that was the very first one that came out. And that was in 2017 that I launched to, uh, Out of This World. And I didn't, I, I launched it, but not expecting it to be anything. It was just because I did the, the pilot exhibition for Aromatum and it had 20 odd smells. So you would go through the whole solar system and smell different places. And like, the smells, some of them are really, really bad, Nicola. They're like <laughs> so bad. Oh, my God. I had a, a table that said, uh, the stinkers. 
smell at your own peril. So there you go. <laughs> that just tells you something. And all I wanted to do is at the end of the whole journey of stinkiness, I wanted to create something nice for people to smell and go, oh, thank goodness, I can smell something <laughs> nice now. So Out of This World was only created with the different elements of the journey to give something to, to people to, to breathe and go, that was fun, but let me just smell this for a bit now. That was the only reason it was there. It was a perfume. It became very successful, so it's being sold. So that was its reason for being there. Everything is going to have its own perfume. The reason I chose the Mar uh, Mars and the moon and Earth is because I wanted to, I was creating the moon, um, not creating because well I was I was creating the fragrance of the moon so we had done the smells of the moon but this was this is a separate fragrance so it doesn't actually involve the smells that we had in the exhibition so when I was creating the the fragrance for the moon I wanted to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo landings and that's why um, that's why I, I was doing the moon and I wanted to launch as soon as possible and but I wanted for some reason I thought is this one fragrance, this another, is that a fancy launching like a trio? And I always thought of launching the moon and the earth together as a kind of like almost like a day and night thing or just like opposites, completely you know, nothing to do with each other, but they almost felt like they should be launched together. And then I thought, but two is just it's just a bit odd. So I'm just gonna do three. And I really wanted to launch Mars because that, that is what I spend my life researching. I've spent the last three and a half years of my life have been about Mars and Mars is in my head and I really wanted to do something to remember that time and that's why I created Mars and those three were launched this year. There are another six that are halfway there and they will come out whenever they come out um, but it's, it's more a matter of what I feel like launching or maybe a specific event that makes me think now is the time to to launch this one, for example. So mm -hmm. I almost launched Pluto, but I didn't. Uh, that's going to come out a bit later. So. Mm. Can you give us any other hints then about what's on the, you know, what's on the drawing board? What other things can we expect to see in at some point in the future? Teasers. Yeah. Yes. So um, I'm not I'm not looking at doing Venus. Um, I I just. I, I love Venus, but I, I just, perfume-wise, I just can't quite connect with it just yet because it's really stinky. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm not going to do Mercury just yet either. Um, I'm more interested in the outer solar system, so expect the, the giants, mm. uh, but not necessarily as Jupiter or Saturn. Um, they're going to have a little journey within them. Uh, because one of the things that I find fascinating about this planet is that they have so many moons. So I'm really, I'm trying to work on a journey through the moons for the different planets. And then I, Pluto is one of my favorite bodies in the solar system. So for Pluto, I'm I'm doing something very special as well. So, yeah. Fabulous. And is Pluto a planet or not? And does it matter? <laughs> it matters. <laughs> it matters to me. <laughs> so, um, technically, it's not a planet. It's a dwarf planet. It was a planet before we discovered that there were so many, like Pluto. Uh, we thought Pluto was unique, but it isn't. It's just the first of a very large kind of bodies that we discovered called dwarf planets, and um, 
to me will always be a planet and whenever I recite the planet because I learned it at school Pluto is always there yeah and I love it I love it I love the scientists behind the New Horizons um, mission that went to Pluto I love the story if you haven't read the book by um, by the the scientists behind it I highly recommend it Um, and they're great people as well I, I you know after talking to them they're just fabulous people so mm. Pluto really has my heart yeah uh, so sounds yeah. like it <laughs> yeah. um so across across both lines really is there a scent that you kind of hold up as your uh, crowning achievement your jewel in the collection and and why I, would that be yeah I think it's patchouli clouds and the reason for that is because I said before it's a very special perfume to me um, but I, well before I ever shared the story about my mum, when I was creating, so just to give you a bit of background, my mum died when I was 26 and she was, she was very special to me. And obviously I wanted to create something to remember her. So I created the Tuli Clouds and I remember before I launched it, giving it to my sister to smell and just to ask what she thought about it, you know, curiosity, because she's my sister and she didn't know what I was trying to do. And what she said is like, oh, my God, mom would have so loved this perfume. This this would have been the one that mom would have was go for. And that, for me, was the crowning achievement that my sister said that, told me, that's it, done. So I launched it. And then, I don't know, I think it probably touches people of a certain age because of what it reminds them of. Um, my mom's generation, I suppose, but the amount of emails and messages that I got from people about how the perfume had moved them emotionally, like to tears and telling me stories about their childhood and their and their young years and festivals. It's like, wow, this has really done something to people's emotions. And for me, that is the crowning achievement that I created something that was that was me that would represented my mom and that somehow became so important to so many people that actually felt moved to tell me about it. Mm. Um, so that's, that is it. That's my crowning achievement because of what it represents really. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, and something which I'm always interested in when I meet perfumers is, do you still wear and enjoy fragrance yourself or is it a bit of a busman's holiday for you now? It, it depends on the day. Sometimes I really do. But I go through very long periods of time when I just don't wear anything. I just can't be bothered with it because I'm so I'm constantly surrounded by smells or maybe I'm wearing a trial or I'm smelling what my students are doing because I have to assess it. But I just I just I just need a break from fragrance. And but then all of a sudden I, I feel like oh, I really fancy wearing this. Um, I do have a couple of perfumes from my teenage years that I still have and I buy religiously and I smell those not necessarily to wear them but because they they this is like a pick me up sometimes when I when I'm down I will spray a certain perfume just to smell it and make me feel better but I go through phases and it's quite funny you say that because I used to love I know this is a love or hate thing but I used to love lush I I was a huge lush fan and then I went off it for a while and then Literally last week, I thought, gosh, I miss Lush. And I went into a Lush shop and I bought so much stuff from my bathroom. And the whole house smells like Lush again. So it just it just depends. I think I'm not, I'm not one of those people that says, oh, I will always wear this or I will never wear that. 
or I'm, I'm, I, I'm this kind of fragrance wearer. I just do whatever I feel like doing. I don't, you know, the point is to enjoy it, mm. not to define yourself by anything, but to enjoy what you wear, I think. So that's yeah. what I do. I think that's good advice for everybody, really. And the pandemic, you know, we, we sort of seems to be a conversation we have a lot at the moment, but it's still one that I think is really pertinent. How has COVID changed your relationship with scent, if it has at all? And did it did it make your habits change? How how did it affect you? Yeah, so when I started my PhD in 2018, the year after I decided to take a break from fragrance because I ha- I wanted to focus on my research. I didn't know if I was going to come back or not, which I did. But through some of that pandemic, I wasn't really doing very much with fragrance. So in, in there, at the beginning, not very much. But then I got so bored that I thought, I really want to start doing fragrance again. And that's, that's um, from a logistical point of view, obviously, it changed very much. But for me, because I was working on my own, not very much. What did happen, though, is that I got COVID and I lost my sense of smell for a while. And that was devastating. Um, so that made me appreciate appreciate it even more, I suppose. You know, you, you always appreciate it as a perfumer, but it made me appreciate my sense of smell even more. It also, um, I, I do have a few students that, a couple of them that have been an osmic for about two years now. And we've been working, you know, and, and I'm very involved with various organizations, both in Spain and, and here, uh, that work with anosmic people trying to improve their quality of life or trying to help with retraining their, no- their nose. So it affected me that I got involved with this sort of initiatives that maybe I wouldn't have got involved with before. And it allowed me to understand what life without a sense of smell is like for people. For me, it was only a few weeks, but from working with them as well, I, I get to see the other side of it. And it, it is, it's not nice. It really isn't nice. So I really appreciate what I have. And I'm even more scared of losing it now than I ever mm. was before. And so I'm very, very careful now with what I do. And I'm, you know, I'm very careful with social distancing and the masks and everything, because it's not just about the illness for me, it's the repercussions of getting sick and losing my sense of smell. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And do you think... Or how do you think perfume can help people through challenging times like the, you know, the, the kind of uh, COVID times we've just been through? Personally, obviously, I'm, I'm biased because I, I love fragrance. But I really do think that fragrance, smells, aromas, perfumes, they really do have very deep effects within our own psyches. So, I mean, the, the, the way fragrance affects moods is spoken about everywhere nowadays but I really think that cultivating that link with certain smells can be really beneficial so one of the things that I always say when I teach a class especially just like a one-day workshop is that if you take one thing from this class today and I'm glad I can share this with your audience is it's, it's don't think so much about creating a perfume create a memory and bottle it and treasure it and just remember something put a smell to it and whenever you need to you will be able to recall that memory to feel that feeling again I think that's the most magical thing about fragrance and I mean there are very uh, there's a lot of research at the moment going into how uh, olfaction can help with various diseases and memory loss and so on 
and that the, I'm part of a few initiatives and one of them is is going into um well it's not my my initiative but I have been in, uh, involved in in some of the group talks with the company that's going into care homes and dementia centers with a game that is all about smells and how much people are enjoying playing the game and remembering things again that they had forgotten and just the social interaction of the game so I just think that fragrance can really bring people together um, as a community and also when they're alone it can really keep them company and remind them of really good times. Mm. Fantastic answer I love that I think that's (laughs) such a a really interesting angle which that I just yeah there's the idea of senses some sort of community tool is fascinating and I, I think I need to think about that some more because that I think could probably be a topic in its own right that we talk yeah. about. Yes it's really interesting um, I was talking to HUK about it because we were trialing some of it in, in their centres and they were really really keen on the idea because they, this is the sort of thing that they need and I just thought it's great to see fragrance playing a part in that because mm. the, the one thing that I, I kind of dislike and might be hated for what I'm about to say <laughs> but I dislike the fact that most people think about perfume as something that you just spray on to smell nice. I know this is not the case with the indies and, and the niche, but in, if you think about the world at large, people go and buy a perfume because they want to smell nice or because they've seen a celebrity on television advertising it and they feel like they want to buy it. But there's so much more to it. And that is what I'm interested in. I, I'm not interested in producing perfumes to wear I'm interested in creating smells and memories and fragrances that have a purpose other than to just be worn Mm, yeah fabulous thank you um so that's the end of my kind of more formal questions and we're going to go on to the silly ones now if if that's all right with you quick fire no wrong answers it's all good just whatever pops into the top of your head first so what's your favorite smell orange blossom absolute Yes, oh, such a good smell. Ideally from Morocco. Yeah. <laughs> what smells do you dislike? Vetiver. Oh, really? Interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm a vetiver hater. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. If you could go anywhere and smell anything from any point in history, where would you go and what would you smell? Oh, I'd go back to smelling my mum. <laughs> yeah. I can I understand that. I would go back that. to smelling my mum. Mm. What do you think fear smells like? Cold. <laughs> Cold, dark and shivery. <laughs> but it's not really a smell, is it? <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. Uh, it would smell like ice and some sort of fecal smell, I think. Ice mm. fecal notes to me. Yeah, yeah. That's quite a visceral uh, is, yeah. image you're painting there, yeah. Yeah. What smell transports you to a strong olfactive memory and where does it take you? Oh my gosh, um, a good amber accord. Like the, the, not the amber, the synthetic ambers of today, but the, the ambery, vanillic, labdanum, balsamic kind of smell. That smell just takes me right back to when I was a child at my grandparents' house. And my granddad was doing his shaving routine and then he would put the aftershave on. And I'm just right there in my grandmother's kitchen watching my granddad in his white vest shaving and doing this like you know I'm just patting my face for those who can't see me and applying aftershave that's it yeah brilliant um are you wearing fragrance right now nope nope 
what does summer smell of to you? Mm, orange blossom. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I love I love the smell of orange blossom. Yeah. What's your favourite food smell? Oh, my favourite food smell. Can it just be one or can it be a combination? You can have whatever you like. Roast some pistachio cake. Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, please. Roast, roast, roast some cardamom with pistachio cake. Yeah, there's, that there's sounds... something about that smell that is just... Oh, mm, yeah. yeah. And uh, if we can arrange for a piece immediately after that, let's do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> and a cup of tea. <laughs> uh, what smell reminds you of school? Um... I'm just trying to remember if you had them. Um, so when I was a kid, we had fountain pens and we had to use them. And we had fragranced ink cartridges. Mm. And one of them had the smell of carnation, which was nothing like carnation. But the smell of that ink, I still, I just have it tattooed in my mind so whenever I think of school that smell comes into my head oh brilliant that's yeah that's a really interesting one uh and if scientists were able to invent a smellophone who would you ring first I know he's no longer with us but I would ring Prince the artist this the singer songwriter genius that was Prince that's who I would ring fabulous smell Prince (laughs) yeah I kind of imagine he probably smells really good or smelled really good yeah Brilliant. Um, so thank you so much for that. And and last question, if people want to know more about your work, what ad- web address or platform should we send them to? Um, they, I mean, I'm happy for anybody to contact me, but I suppose Instagram, I do check it regularly and I check it myself. So like my personal Instagram, the Marina Bartonilla one, rather than the branded ones, because those ones I don't check very often, but I will always see messages on that. Great. Brilliant. Thank you so much for today. It's been absolutely fascinating. I've really enjoyed it. And I think we've we've covered some stuff that I don't think anybody else has touched on um, before. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you again for being thank with us today. Thank you so much, Nicola, for having me. The Sniff Perfume Podcast is written and produced by me, Nicola Thomas, with music by Phil Collingwood. You can find all our reviews online at the-sniff.com. We're also on Instagram at the Sniff website or Twitter with the same handle. If you'd like to support our work, please find me on Buy Me A Coffee. The web address is buymeacoffee.com forward slash the sniff. Our guest today was Marina Barcinilla. We weren't paid in cash or in kind to feature either Marina or her work. Marina has, however, in the past sent us samples of her fragrances. Thanks very much for listening.